What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is Too Much to Say. But don't go asking questions. I'm super excited this week because we're talking about something that's not super exciting, but something that I want more people to know about. And it is songwriter royalty reform and the way that we get just absolutely fucked by the music industry and we're the ones who create the songs. So we have a really cool spectrum of people on the show today. Um, first off, we have my friend Hannah Avison, who I write with a bunch, and she's going to tell you guys all about what it's like as a up-and-coming writer and trying to figure out how to monetize that. And then on the opposite side of things, we're going to have Max from Eve 6, one of my favorite bands from the 90s. Uh, he's going to come on and talk about their experience with their hit song Inside Out and how they have never seen a penny from Spotify royalties. Okay, guys, so we are here with my friend Hannah, um, who is a songwriter and a frequent collaborator of mine. If you guys have seen some of my videos on TikTok, we wrote a song called Eris together. We wrote a new one called Gun to My Head that I'm obsessed with that I'll tell you guys about. Um, but she's an amazing writer and is a multi-genre songwriter, hustles really hard, and she is a really outspoken advocate for songwriter rights. And she's going to share with you some of the baseline facts for how fucked up this shit is. Also, side note, Hannah, um, you can say any word you want on here. I already have an explicit mark on my podcast. Perfect. <laughs> um, let me just get one out of the way. Fuck. Fuck, oh, fuck. this shit. <laughs> fuck this shit. Um, yes. So the reason I got into songwriting advocacy is because a couple years ago, it was Grammy season, and I had this like realization that there's no category for songwriter of the year at the Grammys. There's yeah. producer of the year. There's song of the year. But there's not an award for the songwriter who knocks that out of the park. Julia Michaels. Year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Julia Just, Michaels, Ed Sheeran, he writes a bunch for other people. So, so many songs that have done well, but there's no category for that. And I had an ugly, ugly, ugly cry, um, mascara down the face, ugly cry. And then I took pictures of it because I looked ridiculous. And I, needed to <laughs> and I told myself I wouldn't let myself ugly cry like that again um, if I wasn't trying to make a difference yeah if I'm trying to make a difference I can cry all I want but if I'm not trying to make a difference I 
Love that. And you also never complained in a general grand scheme of things. You never complained to me about things that you're not willing to try to fix. And that's like a really rough thing to listen to people do and like being proactive. And I mean, the thing is like a lot of these people listening to my podcast are huge music fans, Mm -hmm. but maybe not in the industry themselves and don't know about all this stuff and don't know how hard it is for us to make a living. And like the crying thing might sound like melodramatic, but it's, it's not because like songwriting is such a cornerstone of my being Mm -hmm. it's like probably the first thing I identify as before I even identify as a gender or sexuality I'm like I'm a songwriter everything else is second and it's like it takes so much passion to dive into this and to sign up for something where you're not making any money and you're just pouring your heart out in three minutes and 10 seconds and so seeing that the Grammys, which I've always had on a pedestal and always mm-hmm. wanted to win something, doesn't recognize the people who actually create the songs that wouldn't exist. Like producers are important, they add a lot to it, but like the songs wouldn't exist without songwriters. And like what who decided that we get fucked over? It's you know, it's one of those things. I'm gonna list this out very I'm gonna be calculated about how I list this out because I wanted to dive into our first uh example, our first like hard number example. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just that we weren't getting the recognition. That's not the only reason I cried. And mind you, I've been writing for 23 years professionally since 2013. Um, It's the fact that there's a huge lack of respect. There's so many times I've written the entirety of a song and not been included on the label email chain. Um, Songs have gone out without me signing contracts. Um, Agreeing to percentages. Percentages. I've been bullied. The bullying in our industry is outrageous because I know that we're the the like weakest we're in the least like position of power which I don't know how that ever happened but like Like, bottom uh, of the totem pole for sure and most songwriters can have had horrible experiences um just being knocked down time after time after time um and then finally like you were saying financially this is a job we go into work every single day work our butts off and are not compensated for our trade. We put in our 10,000 hours. If I was a mechanic, I wouldn't just do like fix cars because I love fixing cars. I need to be paid for what I do. I can still love it, but I need to be paid for that. And right now it is unsustainable to be a songwriter. Every successful songwriter I know has other jobs, other side hustles because royalties alone, which by the way, for listeners who are learning about this, that is how songwriters make their money purely on royalties. Um, it's not enough. The numbers are bad. Right. Well, and I am really lucky because I have a publishing deal, which means that I get a quote unquote draw, but that's a, an advance. So I actually Mm -hmm. don't make any money per year. They pay my rent, but I have to pay all of that back. And right now I'm in the process of recouping from this really big song that I had with Upsol, which has like 50 million streams. I think it might be my first gold record, fingers crossed, but I haven't actually seen any money from it yet because I haven't recouped and I have three years of shit to pay back. You made a really good metaphor the other day when you were talking about what labels are and what publishing um, deals are and they're uh, credit cards. Yeah. It is uh, money that you will have to pay back. And not that this is the discussion of this talk today, but I mean, a lot of these deals that people did from back in the day are kind of prison sentences Mm -hmm. because they're impossible to get out of. Yeah. And you were pretty much in debt to these companies your entire life. So yeah. I lucked out because the first deal I had, um, they just closed and like packed up their bags and ran away from Nashville. So I got <laughs> to be like, okay, like, well, yes, that's done. So Can yay. Yeah. yeah. It worked out. Yeah. 
Um, but, but so you're gonna share some numbers with us. Yes. Okay. So there is an image. Buckle up, guys, because this is this is dark. The first one I want to share is this is an image that's been passed around the internet in the music, songwriter, engineer, producer, artist community in the past couple weeks. Um, and basically, someone created a U.S. mechanical royalty calculator. So. In this particular example, I feel like I'm teaching a math class, guys. <laughs> I'm a it. words person. <laughs> math is never my strong suit. But so this, so we're talking about DSPs. And if you don't know what a DSP is, it's basically any streaming platform like Spotify, um, Amazon Music, Apple Music, Tidal. Tidal. Yeah. I love that we said it at the same time. <laughs> Twins. <laughs> but um, yeah. And the fact is right now we are fighting to get higher uh, streaming royalty rates because right now, again, our publishing is pennies. So in this example, you're going to see exactly how- it's fraction of pennies. Fra- fraction, fraction, fraction of the pennies. Yeah. So in this example, you're going to see how bad it is and how even if you wrote a wildly successful song, how that is not sustainable for a life. So in this example, the- Songwriter is saying they got 33% of the record, which is pretty normal on the publishing side if you did a three-way split. Mm -hmm. So say there was a producer in the room, you and another songwriter. And the music scene, especially in the pop music scene, equal splits are pretty common. Um, So this songwriter got 33% of the publishing. Now, this example in the song example, um, that song got a hundred, no, a million streams. Yeah. A million streams. No, that's 100 million. 100 million streams. Yeah, again, we're not good at numbers, but 100 numbers, million streams. I don't know her. Numbers, not <laughs> with her. 100 million streams. So 100 million streams with 33%. Everyone at home, think about how much money do you think that songwriter made with their one-third of that publishing. 100 million. How many people live in New York? Now we've, we've got more yeah. statistics. Well, it's like a lot of fucking people. It's, a, it's a lot of fucking people. And hear me out. Not every song is getting a hundred million streams. That's an outrageous number that people get excited about. My biggest quote unquote hit has 4 million, just for some perspective. That songwriter made $6,961.35. That is it. And that's a hundred million streams, one third of a hundred million. And that's only if they own all of their publishing, right? No, this is for 33%. Right. But, but Oh yes, 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 yes. If they don't have a publishing deal, if they're independent, because if they have a publishing deal, you could what split that in half. Well, some yeah, split it in half. Um, my first deal, it would have been split in half, so it would have been like twelve percent. My current deal, I own seventy five percent of my publishing, which is really I lucked out on that. That's not standard for people at my point in a career, but yeah. So like six out, you're lucky if you got six thousand. Absolutely, and think about like if you buy a car with that. If you worked an HR job and you were making. 50k a year like mind you this is all we make our money on and I'm gonna be honest I'm gonna be really transparent with everyone right now I work my butt off and I've had more releases in this past year than I've ever had Mm. I got my BMI statement I mean $125 this year like my tax statement $125 um and so yes these numbers are so small and when you see like writers and producers and artists in these like fancy outfits driving these fancy cars like here's the transparency they're borrowed. Mm-hmm. They're borrowed. They're secondhand. They're rented. Oh, I use Rent the Runway. So if you ever see me with like a $500 purse, like it is not mine. It's or um, we got it at a thrift store. Or we got it at a thrift our store. Our secret thrift store that we're not going to talk about. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> um, 
No, but I think there's like this big thing um, with our industry of fake it till you make it mentality because if you look really dope and successful, you're going to get more opportunities. My manager always says you have to look like a million dollars and spend mm -hmm. 20. And that's why I'm so happy that we're having this talk right now because I think it's really important for the consumer, you guys, or um, any listener really to know the real truth about it because the issue is labels and publishers, they don't care about the creatives. Not all of them. Some of them do. There's some really good eggs out there, but mostly no. And so I think the way we make a change is we get the consumer fired up. Yeah. We need you guys to like be like, this is unfair and fight with us. If you've ever had a song that made you fall in love or you ever had a song that made you heal through a breakup or helped you after losing somebody, we need your help because what we're doing is just not, we're not able to financially exist. Yeah. So there's publishing on something and then there's also a master, which is like, that's just, I mean, I don't know. The, the physical sound recording. The physical, yeah, the physical sound so, recording and there's a hundred points on it. Um, usually the like producer gets like 50 to 25%. Um, it really, really varies, but there's a hundred points to divvy up um, amongst the people who created the song. So I say that the most typically goes to the record label. The second most goes to the artist, and then the producer and everything else just kind of trickles down. Um, but songwriters are fighting for the right to have points on the master because um, Hannah brought up a really great point earlier when we were talking, which is that as NFTs become more popular, if an NFT of a song was going to sell for $100,000, the songwriter would see none of that because it's only on the master, which makes no sense if that's illegal. Recording. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's like one of those really, really sad things when you create something. So like we were talking about, the publishing is literally for the lyric and melody set. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, like the uh, what makes it up. If you were to like write it out on sheet music, like that's what you have. Yeah. Um, but the master is that physical sound recording. And when you don't own any of that, you're not, you don't own any of the, um, actual really what's happening with the song. Right. Like, which is what people are hearing on the radio, that particular one recording. Um, and you want to have stake in it because end of the day, like that's like what could be sold as an NFT. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, is another way to make money as a songwriter. Yeah. And um, just to have like, I don't know, a tiny bit of ownership in your song baby mm -hmm. that like a lot of it, even if we write it with another artist or it's an outside cut, it's still about our lives. And so there's something like really depressing about other people owning your stories. If you think about it, that was the whole Taylor Swift thing. She didn't mm -hmm. own her masters. Yeah. Um, and so then she re-recorded everything so she could own her masters on the previous records. It. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so we're going to read you yeah. a specific story that was shared on this account called poor fucking songwriter. Yeah. And, um, this one's actually been really good. It's been like going everywhere recently. Yeah. And it's, I've seen a lot of people posting about this one, but it's, it's just, it's a exchange between a songwriter and a record label mm -hmm. and shows you how much of like a fucking asshole these people are capable of being. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, this guy, Jensen Vaughn, uh, songwriter exposed this one label, they had, it is very normal to ask, by the way, all the creatives out there always ask, always ask for master, always ask for a fee. Don't be afraid. I know we've been given many reasons to be afraid, but don't be afraid. Negotiation is normal. This is a business. Yeah. So, um, this is what they said. And I thought it was very well put, uh, to my songwriter friends who pour their soul into a project only to be met with emails like these when requesting just a couple points on the master, keep standing up for what is right together. We can make a change. So Jensen had emailed this label asking for a couple points on the master. 
um, just to have some stake in the song. And they said, hey, Jensen, we'll wait on publishing to be locked. I have to let you know, though, we do not pay writers on the master at blank. It is a non-negotiable standard that we have here. So that's the extent of their email. Okay, so this is Jensen's response. Hey, blank. I already received 1% of the master for blank, so this is definitely not true in all cases. That said, you should probably not hold such views as a label, and if that's your standard, it's not a fair one. The climate of the music business has changed dramatically in the recent years, and songwriters across the board are now asking for a small master share as they otherwise receive nearly nothing from streaming. Facts, facts, facts. <laughs> it has become a completely unfair business, that is totally skewed in favor of labels with respect to streaming revenue. This is a widely known issue with many of the biggest songwriters shining a light on the problem demanding change. Therefore telling me that this is non-negotiable is really the same as you saying, we don't care about paying you fairly as a songwriter. That is not something I can accept. That said, you're going to have to negotiate with me on this if you want to release the song. Otherwise I will have to say no. That is my standard for the songs I create. Feel free to discuss this internally and let me know either way. I'm only asking to be compensated fairly for the work that I've done. Snap, snap, snap for Jensen. Freaking important. And the fact that Jensen put this out there, every songwriter I know has had this email where they just said no. We've been on that email chain mm -hmm. in some extent. Like, yeah, it's that's not that's not even a horror story. That's just kind of a, a story. Story. That's, a, that's, <laughs> that's just a story. And um, I'm not sure if this was from uh, when we did our little edit, but like I was saying, there is a lot of money, especially within the major labels. So this is not this should not be an issue. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is heartbreaking because I think there's a lot of issues with our industry right now and this is one way that songwriters can be compensated there's other ways songwriters can be compensated uh songwriters out there ask for a fee yeah and um it's it's kind of tricky too because like so i'm a songwriter who writes for other people i'm also an artist and mm -hmm. um a lot of times like I had to give out the points on my master from my percentage of the master of my record deal, which was only 18%, mm -hmm. which is like, <laughs> and like, yes, they fund it, but that's still an advance. Like I still have to pay back my advance to my record label. So no one's given me money. Mm -hmm. They've given me money. I have to pay back. Mm -hmm. And I guess the only difference is there's no interest on it really. So mm -hmm. it's like a pretty good credit card, but it's still a credit card that you have to pay back. And um, so we're dealing, I'm already like, down to 18% ownership of my fucking song that I recorded that I honestly paid to record out of my advance, which is not very standard. And, um, that's where those are the points that I have to give out to other people. So then I give 25% of my share to my producer, my managers make, you know, um, collectively 20% on that. And, um, at one point when I saw a business manager, I did the math and I was making, four cents on every dollar mm -hmm. that I earned. And that was before taxes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that. <laughs> and so I have to literally, in order to get a dollar, I have to stream like probably thousands of times, right? Yeah. In order to earn a dollar on my master to begin with. So I have to even get to that point before it starts getting divvied up. And that $1 takes thousands of streams. And then I'm getting four cents of that dollar. And then, and that's me as the artist. Like, what are the fucking songwriters getting? Yeah. Nothing. I, uh, 
I do want to end on some good notes. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I have, let's see, I have a Dolly Parton story that I love as yeah. an example of the power of saying no, which yeah. makes me so happy. And I also want to shout out uh, Sony Music Publishing because they are actively being allies. Uh, so I work with a group called 100 Percenters. I absolutely love them. I think Tiffany Red is a shining light in our industry. And I, I just admire the hell out of her and all the work she does and how she stands up for songwriters and has been. I'm going to be linking some um, really great accounts to follow in the description of this. And so you'll be able to see Tiffany and how outspoken she is. You'll also be able to follow Hannah, um, the 100 Percenters, and Poor Fucking Songwriters. So check out the description to follow them. But, but yes, good news. Um, the good news <laughs> is uh, we have been, you know, talking with Sony Music Publishing. Uh, they've posted about us as well. They're an alliance with us and a bunch of other really great organizations. And they're trying to be the best advocates possible for songwriters they just announced if you were signed to Sony Music Publishing, they will be helping uh, with mental health and wellness, getting counseling for their writers. Oh, yeah. We also don't get any health care benefits or anything like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is like a <laughs> job without the benefits. Don't, we don't have an HR department either, so. Uh, <laughs> we could use an HR department, but yeah. I, I wanted to shout out Sony Music Publishing for um, being allies to songwriters and doing things to make our lives better. And I think it's a great first step, what they're doing with mental health and uh, counseling and all that good stuff because it's very important. Not to mention that, like, in order to be a songwriter, it's kind of a prerequisite that you're at least a little bit mentally ill to be, like, <laughs> to be completely honest. Like, I do not know a single artist or writer who doesn't have that, you know, in them because, like, that's why you create is you have this, like, deep need to do it because of things you've gone through. And so, like, every songwriter at least has, like, trauma and, like, desperately needs that mental health care. Um, absolutely. I, my anxiety helps me often. Yeah, uh, I know, right? But I want to end this on one quick story, uh, for the songwriters, artists, producers, engineers listening who are like, I want to follow suit, but I'm scared. Don't be scared. And let me tell you a story about Dolly Parton, where she was the most badass. So Dolly Parton had written the, uh, the song, uh, I will always love you. Uh, big Whitney Houston song. Yeah. Um, and she had written the song and at the time, uh, Elvis Presley was the, the bee's knees, like the top yeah. of it. Everyone wanted a song with Elvis Presley and he wanted to cut that song and she was elated and she was like, oh my God, like Elvis Presley is cutting my song. That's so exciting. And then she found out that they wanted to take 50% of the publishing. Now publishing is for the person who writes and Elvis had nothing to do with the he writing. Had nothing of the song. to do with the writing. And so she thought about it. She turned him down. She went home and cried. But she stood by she stood by what she knew was right, which was not giving up half of her publishing for someone who didn't write. 100%. 100%. And um then she put out the song. Whitney Houston put out the song Taking No Publishing. They it, both they both got number ones in country and in pop. Mhm. Yeah. And that was just like such like how can you imagine like having this like total valley of being like oh did I mess up by not giving this song to someone big and then having it be an astronomical hit with another person who respected 
your publishing situation. It's absolutely amazing. So the power of no. Stand up for yourself, songwriters, uh, music no enthusiasts. No is a complete sentence. No is a complete <laughs> sentence. But yes, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Well, thank you, Hannah, for talking. Um, up next, we're going to be talking to Max from my one of my favorite bands growing up, Eve Six. I adore them. And he has a very, very real-life big example of, of how songwriters and artists both get fucked over. And so um, we'll be right back. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, guys. So I am here with Max from Eve Six. I'm super, super pumped to have him here. Uh, Eve Six was, they've been around since the mid 90s. They started in Southern California. They have some massive hits like Inside Out and Here's to the Night. Um, I also really, really enjoy their new single that just came out last week. It's called Revolution Show. I think I said that right. <laughs> and um, Max has had a big and hilarious resurgence on Twitter with his outspoken commentary on the 90s rock scene, sobriety, politics, and many anecdotes about Third Eye Blind Guy, a.k.a. Stephen Jenkins. So um, <laughs> I'm super excited to have you on the show, Max. Thanks for having me. So this week's episode, like I was saying earlier, guys, is about having, um, you know, talking about songwriter royalty reform on DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, literally anywhere you can stream music and how, um, ironically, Napster pays the most royalties out of anyone, which is insane. But um, you guys, so you've never been paid for the Spotify streams of Inside Out, correct? Yeah. The way it works is Spotify. And I think a lot of people are more aware of this now than they were even a week ago. But um, Spotify pays to the master owner, the lion's share. And, um, 
the master owner tends to be the record company, especially if it's a band that signed their deal um, pre-streaming before before the advent of the technology. So um, Spotify made deals, um, the details of which are still not um, public, with major record labels to uh, basically give them ownership in Spotify. <clears throat> um, considerable percentages of ownership in Spotify. So uh, Sony... Our, we we signed with RCA. Sony is the parent parent company. Um, owns our master recordings, and when we get Spotify streams, the money goes directly back to Sony, who owns Spotify. So they're earning on two different sides, and you're earning on zero sides. Yeah. 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 So for those of you guys who don't know, recruitment is you know you get an advance. So like as Hannah and I were talking about earlier. I get an advance from my publishing company, but I'm not actually making that money. It's basically like a credit card that I have to pay back to them. So you have to recoup and then you don't get to earn anything until you've paid back via royalties what your record label and our publisher has given you. So right. that's- And you don't just recoup your advance. You also recoup whatever the cost of recording was, whatever the marketing budget tour was. Tour support. Tour all, all music videos, music videos, yeah. which at the time when we were making them were, you know, cost an obscene amount of money. Yeah. So, yeah, there's uh, a whole lot of factors. The thing that we find most kind of like um, egregious about it all is that, you know, the deal that we signed, you know, 14 or 15 years before this technology even existed <laughs> is expected to just default map on to 2020 streaming model where our stupid band is still getting and shouldn't be getting frankly that's another that's another issue that i have with spotify and their algorithms is the way they boost the familiar and so so like old stuff like ours is, you know, we're getting 1.3 million streams a month on Spotify. So like newer artists are competing with Eve six in a sort of asymmetrical competition, you right. know, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of streams to be getting per month and not getting paid for it yeah. because we signed an, a literally anachronistic, uh, record deal in 1997 yeah and for perspective guys my biggest song on spotify has four million streams and i was stoked about that and like that's i don't even it's think a lot I, of streams. it is right that's a lot of people and um i mean i was able to like build a touring career off that song but a hundred million streams on inside out and like you haven't seen any that's insane yeah and so but i feel like i don't know how this was legal to do because like like you were saying, the technology didn't exist, but like you'd think they'd have to go back and renegotiate deals in order to transfer that deal over to a completely new technology. And like songwriters didn't get to consent to making less money. I mean, it it seems like a violation of contract simply because it wasn't included in it. Yeah, it does seem like it really ought to be. <clears throat> um, you know, I I'm not a lawyer, obviously, and I don't like... Um, a, a lot of this stuff 
is still not disclosed too. So, you know, like these were backroom deals, and one of the things that <clears throat> the uh, Union of Musicians and Allied Workers, which is the union that we're aligned with, is asking for is for those deals that Spotify made with record companies to be made public, like just you know show yeah. show people the content of them. Um, and it's pretty suspect that they're not they willing won't do to. that. Yeah. Well, and isn't there like, um, cause I've seen the playlists that are all from one label that are on spot, like Topsify. Do you know what that is? No. I think that might be universal, but it's the ownership in Spotify via playlisting. So they'll like have these, like what looks like editorial playlists, but called Topsify. I mean, come on. And then it's all from one label. Right, and right, right. Which is payola. Right. And essentially, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, for, for those of you guys who want some context, payola is the now quote unquote banned practice of paying record labels to, uh, or pay record labels, paying radio and streaming services and whatnot to playlist your music and, um, just play it period. And it's, um, it's illegal, but I mean, God, I lived in Nashville for a while and I know a lot of like record labels that would take one of the programmers out to a strip club and like buy oh, them yeah. all the champagne and shit. And it's like, that's still payola. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, yeah. The industry just found ways to sort of adapt and work around laws. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when we were like in, in the nineties, the kind of like standard thing was you want the radio station to play your song you know, you got to play the radio stations festival mm-hmm. for free, um, you know, make your way out there, do it for nothing. So, you know, it's pay to play. Right. And then that's where like recoupment kind of stacks up because you're getting tour support from your label. To do promo. Right. Yeah. And working for free. And it is it is really good exposure to have that radio connection and they definitely are more likely to play your stuff if you come and give them attention we talked about that in the like episodes i've done on country because country is like insane the, yeah. the radio game there um and we're, we're on an, we're in an iheart radio studio right now but um they they give me a lot of creative control in the sense that they never censor me on anything and i get to be honest which is great but um yeah it's a uh, I think that a lot of people don't know how much it costs to play a show, especially yeah. if you're leasing a uh, tour bus for what, like $8,000 a month. If you're lucky mm-hmm. um, flights, if you're not having a tour bus hotels, you still have to pay your backing musicians uh, if they're not official members of the band. And so it just stacks up and then you're doing these for free. Yeah. It's, and that you have to recoup all that. Yeah. No, the, the, yeah, it's insane. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, people people get mad at me for talking about this stuff and advocating for this stuff because, like, the perception is, and I also understand it. It's reductive to sort of say, like, I didn't benefit at all or right. my band didn't benefit at all from having a record deal. <clears throat> like, of course we did, yeah. you know? Um, like, and I I do consider myself and my band members lucky you know i mean we literally were lucky you know um but people still buy tickets to shows like that's literally all we can ask for is like people still come see you and care enough and well that's the other part of this story that we've been like hammering home is in the last two and a half years when that income option which is really the only viable income stream left for artists 
was throttled by the pandemic, uh, the musicians union asked Spotify, like, hey, considering we don't have the one thing that still pays in the music business, live shows, um, how about a penny per stream? Because Apple Music raised theirs to a penny per stream, right? Yeah, I know Apple Music is, if not there, they're close. Yeah, and then Spotify is point zero 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 three. I think it's point zero zero three. Yeah. Which again, (laughs) which again, if you have a record deal, like, and your record company owns, you know, even just part of your master, a chunk of that is going to the master owner. So what the artist sees from that. Uh, you know, whether you're Eve Six or whomever is likely going to be a smaller chunk of that 0.003 per stream. Yeah, we were talking on the earlier segment of this um, this episode about after I pay out my label and my management and my business management and um, and then God forbid I'm playing a live show, but on royalty specifically, I make four cents on every dollar. Yeah. <laughs> And so just to get to that four cents, I have to stream thousands of times just for that 0.003 to turn into a dollar. And then I go back to making four cents and it's like hurts. Yeah. It's painful. I mean, systems benefit the people who create the systems, you know? Right. And And like, this is a microcosm of, of, you know, uh, politics in America and, you know, state power and stuff. Right. Um, and like a lot of this has come to the forefront and people have been talking about it. And I mean, you guys have been super outspoken on Twitter um, in every aspect, but especially on this topic, because all of there's a big conversation right now because of Joe Rogan and his podcast and how was it? Three hundred million dollars he got as an advance from Spotify. I believe he got three hundred million dollar checks. Yeah, I could be wrong about that, and but he's gotten a, a shit ton of money. Yeah. And we're making that number backwards. Point zero zero three. Yeah sense and like you you said like well maybe don't de-platform him but just give him what we make per stream yeah i i don't think uh de-platforming i mean i don't even think the word has much meaning because you know it's if spotify kicks joe rogan off he'll hop to another platform who will also pay him a whole lot of money right um he'll get more kind of cred with uh his fan base yeah for that it will bolster his name even more and likely enrich him even more so um i understand there's no way to win or there's no way to beat him you know yeah, yeah. I, and i don't think like deplatforming is the answer um i think i think rogan rogan is only important to me in that he sort of begs this like interrogation lamp to be blasted on the whole thing because of the disparity it's it's like um you know yeah obviously rogan has a listenership in in the you know tens of millions um but like spotify was you know created um by the work of artists that's gone largely unpaid for so um yeah i mean that that's uh i i mean i i honestly if joe rogan was getting 
the same payment as artists. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And like Spotify's <clears throat> built off music. I mean, they just started putting money behind podcasting and they were able to build this massive company off of what we do. And obviously like we have a massive emotional attachment to it as well because these are like our, our children. I mean, like it's a little melodramatic, but it's like, it's not like I'm just making something for fun. Like I'm like really digging in and, and it just feels like, it feels like a personal affront. Cause you're like, yeah. you're taking what, um, what's that one song that's like, ma, look what they did with, to my song. Do you know that? It's from like the sixties or seventies, but it's, it's really beautiful. And it's about like, you know, uh, the music industry just dissecting something and ruining it and whatever. Yeah. And it's like still so applicable, but, um, I feel like a big thing that nobody knows about you six, even myself being a big fan was that you were teenagers when you signed your deal and when you wrote inside out and, um, had that first record, like you guys were, were teenagers. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And so do you feel like <clears throat> the label was able to exploit that lack of knowledge and that naivety because of your age and like getting you to sign a deal? Like, was there anything incredibly shady in your deal or was it just like standard shady? It was standard shady. <laughs> standard shady. <laughs> <laughs> when I brought up the age thing in in the context of this, it's it's more to illustrate how preposterous preposterous it is that that deal that was signed at that time is expected to map on to, to today's mm -hmm. uh music industry we yeah we had a a lawyer look at the contract it was it was it was normal you know um and but n normal to begin with is already exploitative right <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah totally <laughs> This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562 562 
314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, and then it's like, I love just how outspoken you guys have been. And, um, but one thing that you were sharing on Twitter was that you don't, because they own your masters, you're not able to pull it from Spotify, even if you wanted to pull, you know, like all these other artists, like a Joni Mitchell, if you want to pull a Joni Mitchell, you couldn't. Right. Yeah. An artist like Joni Mitchell or Neil Young has the clout and, um, you know, fear instilled in their label necessary to have an ask like that be considered. Right. Um, and then take an action on, you know, we would, you know, a, a band like us, it's like, LOL, why? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like if, I, if I took my like 30,000 monthly listeners and I was like, oh, I'm leaving. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, there's so many things I'd like to say no to off on principle, like, especially like in the publishing world, but I'm not in a position to because I need to just, like, I'm, I'm thankful that I don't have to have a real job, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is as far away from music as I get. And this is a podcast that's about music. So mm-hmm. I don't have to do, I just get to talk or sing into a microphone for a living. And I should be really, I am thankful for that. But it's also like uh, the, you all like my manager always says like you have to look like a million dollars but spend like 10 mm-hmm. and so <laughs> anytime i'm wearing something designer i either got it at like a crazy liquidation sale or i'm renting it and you just have to like have this air of wealth and it just doesn't exist like i mean i know friends who work at restaurants who probably make more money than i do at this stage of my career even though i'm you know a professional musician minus touring with touring i was doing better but yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's part of the way that like we've all, you know, we've all got the capitalist brain worms a little bit. And that's a great band name. Capitalist <laughs> yeah. brain worms. Love it. But yeah, like feeling, <laughs> feeling the need to like uh, exude some, some type of like wealth or something like that. I just think that, yeah, that's all sort of part of this you know, insidious game. (laughs) And I think maybe that's part of what people have reacted to from our Twitter is like, we're, you know, we don't have any airs like that. We're just telling the truth. Mm -hmm. We're not wealthy. You know, people tend to think like, if you had a song on the radio, you're either like a multimillionaire or, you know, destitute. It's like, there's (laughs) Yeah, there's no between. Um, But... Yeah, I sympathize with bands who, well, we we can't take the Sony-owned stuff off of Spotify, but we can take um, our newer stuff, which obviously doesn't get anywhere near the same streams, but we do have some mastership owner ownership in it and a new label that's an independent label that's mm-hmm. sympathetic to our cause here. Um and even though you're not able to take it down, you are able to change your banner to something that says delete Spotify, which is pretty rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we did that. And we also are taking down everything that's on Velocity, which is basically our current label. And we're taking a, a hit in our advance for that. We're taking like half of what they were going to give us. Wow. Um, but I don't know. It's important to us to put our money where our mouth is, hopefully, you know, I don't know, just keep kind of being loud at this, um, about this, even though it's 
very annoying to some people, but, uh, you know, we're doing this for, for all artists like on the platform fighting for fair pay. And another thing that's really hard about it too, is like, I mean, playlisting is such a great way to, or such a vital way to get exposure. You know, like I, I have a bunch of, I've had a bunch of press in my career and like, um, the biggest thing that happened was my debut album, which I released in 2019, the New York Times said it was the number seven best album of the year. And it's it, awesome. It, right? It's fucking awesome. Right? But then like the songs, some of the songs on the project at that point had like 20,000 streams. And so it's like without playlisting, you need to have the numbers and you need to have the press. And so like mm-hmm. I had all this like clout from that shit and like, mm-hmm. you know, variety and NPR and like just being like a hipster person you know like mm-hmm. I, I got to be cool but i also like people weren't listening to yeah it. yeah 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 so it's it's hard you know and you have to play the play the spotify game when you're at my point in my career but like i also want to actively call them out and give you guys a chance to talk about it because you and like talk about how you are going to take it off i mean like i i would love to do that and I, I hate not, not putting my money where my mouth is, but there's no, also no money to put. I, I, I get is. it. I, I get it. I really do. Like a good friend of ours who's also very involved in this, you know, fight for fair pay named Evan Greer. Um, she has an album called Spotify is Surveillance. <laughs> um, and it's on Spotify because like, you know, Spotify has had the stranglehold on streaming. And if you're not, participating there you're likely losing out on some visibility i do think that uh the kind of that this this moment right now just in the last week or so i do think there's just been a critical mass of people who are who have recently become aware of the degree to which Spotify is doing flagrant exploitation Mm -hmm. and that it's becoming gauche or cringe to (laughs) to like shill for Spotify, to share a Spotify link to, you know, so, um, that's good. It feels like, like another step was taken, Yeah, you know, like recently and like, honestly, like, thanks Joe Rogan for for like starting like giving because i mean anything with his name in it is going to get a ton of press so like totally we should fucking use that to our advantage like just piggyback on his shit and be like okay but look at us over here like we built a platform but yeah no it's true i mean even though i have issues with the way that neil young has kind of gone about this and definitely definitely have issues with his shilling for amazon like yeah. A couple days like after. Jeff Bezos is any better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that his leaving brought an insane amount of attention to this, which is giving the artist side, yeah. you know, the material labor use side of the story an opportunity to be heard. And people are receptive to it and kind of a shocking, you know, I, I, I didn't think that they would be yeah. um, to the degree that they have been like uh, I have issues with with Joni Mitchell because like I haven't talked about this on the podcast but she still has an album with blackface she literally did really oh my god all right guys let's just go here for a second and I like love Joni Mitchell's music but I was reading this article about how like 
just because you love someone and they've become an icon now doesn't mean you can erase parts of their career. And so the kind of, oh, well, Joe Rogan said the N-word and like I, I'm going to pull all my music because of what he's talking about. And it's like, OK, but as recently as 2015, you guys can just you guys can look this up like this is a direct quote. But she was like, yeah, I got the idea to do blackface because I was at the dentist and he said that I had the teeth of a Negro male. And then I saw this guy diddy bopping on the street and I was like, wow, I want to do that. So I went to a Halloween party dressed as this black guy this black pimp guy is like literally like direct quotes. Um, and people thought I was at the wrong party. And then I had a photo shoot next week, the following week for, um, an album cover. And I was really pissed at the photographer. So I went in the other room and put on blackface so I could like make her angry. And it's like, Oh ma'am, that's so bad. And then she said that, um, she, she, (laughs) okay. This is the worst part of it. She said that, um, she felt she felt a lot of empathy for Negro men because she'd experienced what it felt like to be one on several occasions. Yeah. Like, ma'am. So it's like, we need just more people to get on board with this who are like not going to go suck Jeff Bezos's dick and also right, not be like hypocrites. Like super wealthy boomers who don't <laughs> right. know what's like, yeah. Um, I mean, Taylor Swift did a lot for mm. this conversation and being the first person to start it and also talking about masters and empowering people to ask for more of their masters. I mean, I just, I was fucked when I signed my record deal cause I wasn't in a position to negotiate cause that was the only way I was going to be able to fund a new project. And the only way I was going to be able to survive through 2021 cause I wasn't touring. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was hard, but I mean, Taylor Swift is in an incredible position and I hope that she kind of, speaks back up on this because she had didn't have her music on the platform for a long time yeah yeah no definitely i i i wouldn't like count her out um swifties have gotten mad at me for bringing bringing that up yeah uh, and it's like yeah it does you know it uh, i can see how how it does sort of suck to for people to expect her to like swoop in and save the day or whatever Mm -hmm. um but the truth is she's incredibly powerful you know if not (laughs) like the most i mean because you know michael jackson isn't alive anymore Mm -hmm. she's like the probably one of the most influential musicians alive yeah people yeah and i just i I really do love her but you're still allowed to love somebody and be like hey i wish you'd do this like Swifties fans on Twitter in general can be quite a bit Um, speaking of people who can be quite a bit on Twitter I feel like you're the anti Chris from Trapped on Mm. Twitter I don't know if any of you guys listening have seen the guy from Trapped's Twitter account but it is a fucking nightmare it's like a dumpster fire Yeah. did you ever encounter them on the road? yeah yeah we did we had a couple couple scenes with them um one interaction that I remember was we were backstage at some festival. I forget where it was. Um, and the guy from Trapped was talking to um, a couple guys from our crew. And I think there were a couple other people around um, that he was sort of doing this monologue to. And he was telling them how he was single-handedly changing the way people sing (laughs) 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 and that reaction that you just had is the reaction that our uh 
crew guys had, they started laughing. And, and did then he they get realized so that he was being completely serious. Uh, he was not joking. Is his name Chris Taylor Brown? Like his name's Chris Brown? Oh, wow. I, I don't actually know his I name, think but it, that's funny. I think it is because it's like, God, I mean, so sucks to be any nice guy named Chris Brown, right? But um, I briefly dated the, the drummer from Trapped. Not the, not the old one because he'd be like probably 50, but. <laughs> One of the newer ones who's my age. And that was a nightmare in and of itself. And I finally made a TikTok about it because I was like, this is too fucking funny. But my band, whenever we're on the road, like we hear Headstrong everywhere. And they always just like roast me. And I'm like, it's fair. I deserve yeah, that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I deserve that. But you know what? It was a good story. Well, thanks for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. You guys can get their new single, Revolution, on Spotify for now. <laughs> and um, make sure you follow them on Twitter at eve Six. It's hilarious. It's a ride. I remember you retweeted me like last year and followed me. And I like in my management group chat was like, guys, I made the Eve six Twitter. Like I've made it period. (laughs) Um, But thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks guys for listening. I'm Kaylee Shore and this is too much to say. But don't go asking questions that you don't Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.